to the Hoot Hobbs Show. I am Hoot Hobbs. With me as always, Mr. BT Brennan Torres. Hey. And joining us today, uh, we have a guest host, uh, stand-up comedian, and a fellow podcaster, Mr. Adam Harvin. What's up? So, uh, I'm very glad to have you here and excited to get into all this kind of stuff, but we're going to start it out the way we always do. We'll talk about college football, and by college football, I mean I watched two games, and that's all I know about, but that's all I need to know about. So, we can start with uh, the Razorback game, uh, playing Ole Miss. Uh, we lost, and it was a heartbreaking loss because oh. it was by one point, you know yeah. what I'm saying? But I'm here to tell you right now, looking at the, the way the stat sheet lined up, us versus them. Yep. I'm going for two. I'm going for the win. Well, their defense had shown there at the end of the game that they had there was no stopping Ole Miss. They were going to score yeah. again. There was well, no chance. You know, and well, that was the back and forth the whole game. Is the reason I was so confident in Arkansas is because of how strong our defenses looked this year, right? So we come out for the game and we've got ourselves exactly what I called was a you know was a shootout. I thought it was going to be a, a, a shootout game, and it was. Uh, Matt Corral uh, had a great game. Ole Miss's offense looked unstoppable. It was exciting. The thing was, Arkansas's offense and KJ Jefferson looked unstoppable. I'm telling you, this KJ Jefferson put the team on his back. He and is it looked a, great. He is on one of the short list of the what Davy O'Brien Award, the yeah. best top quarterback in the country award. Yeah. Right now, he's on the watch list. That's impressive considering he started the season. They weren't sure he was going to be the starting quarterback. Right. Yeah. So the problem that came in was our unstoppable our brick wall i guess uh stop anything that moves defense that we've had especially with our star linebackers just kind of like me i just like didn't show up i guess i mean don't get me wrong there were some good defensive plays but the overall scheme of the game was defense on both sidelines garbage good coaches can take linebackers out of the equation with their schemes so that's not like unbelievable when I've had games and stuff like that where it's just if they're double teaming the middle linebacker who's your star, and they can just shut you down and make you just go and make a pile of mess and, and then put it on all the other players. Yeah, and, and that's exactly what it looked like they did. I mean, yeah, Ole Miss yeah. came out looking good, man. They, they stacked the star player, and then they made, tried to make the rest of Arkansas's yeah. defense yeah. beat them, and Arkansas's defense wasn't there. It just wasn't. I mean, I, I was really, I don't know, kind of let down by Joe Fouché. That dude is way better than how he performed. Of course, everyone on the defensive end. Trey, uh, Trey Williams, you know, I'm a big fan of this dude. He, I don't know. He wasn't getting off the line as fast. And, of course, then again, I, I don't even remember. We had so many. Uh, we have to give credit to Ole Miss as well. They are a lot better than perhaps we had thought going into that game. Oh, yeah. Well, I, I don't know. I mean, I, Lane Kiffin's been doing good things with, uh, with Ole Miss. You know, I mean, in the past couple of years, their program has gotten better. That's the point I'm making. That's like saying, you know, I, I understand it's kind of like, ah, Chad Morris will be all right, I think, you know, but uh, <laughs> I, I don't, ooh, that might have been a harsh comparison too. Ouch. I don't know. <laughs> but uh, but no, nah, um, I, I, I did like the uh, post game interview. Lane Kiffin was like, well, I guess we can finally go have some popcorn. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was, you know, you remember before the Bama game, he was like, get your popcorn, throws the microphone at him and runs off. We're like, Lane Kiffin has lost his mind. And, you know, I don't know. He probably has. At but, various points, probably. Yeah, but I, I don't know, man. I think uh, the Ole Miss-Arkansas game, that was a fun game to watch. It was a disappointing loss, but that team, I, I don't know, man. I just feel like I, I wasn't 
just devastated oh. at the loss. I'll put it like that. Oh, no. We uh, shared a post about pretty much that summed up how we felt. Like, it was disappointing how they lost. Yeah. But they played their, their butts off out there. And what yeah. more can you really ask? Yeah. Woo damn pig. You know what I mean? But uh, the other game I want to talk about. Jimbo did it, man. Come on, Jimbo Fisher. He's like, I, boys, look, I need y'all to play like my job is on the line. Because it is. Because it definitely is. And they come out and they they, they dethrone Alabama. And, I mean, that is uh, – I, I will say this. I did watch that game thoroughly. Texas A&M brought, brought a game. They really did. They came out ready to play. Uh, Alabama, I, I don't think Alabama is allowed to get lazy, so it didn't look like that. So that tells me that they just looked really bad. Like, they were not firing. This is not their year. No, nah, it is not. It, it Clearly. I mean, I don't know. You got to go through. Like, the SEC is drunk this year. You know what I mean? You got uh, Arkansas that beats Texas A&M. Texas A&M that beats Alabama. That beats Ole Miss. That beats Arkansas. You're like, you guys go home. What are y'all doing? Y'all need to go home, sleep it off. We'll get up next week and go again. But either way, it was a huge upset. Yeah, Georgia's over there like who got next. Well, yeah, Georgia is is sipping water all night. You know, everyone else is getting trashed like it's a prom night. And Georgia's like, oh, you guys need a ride? That's cool. I'll take you straight to the championship game. You know, and that's what they're doing. So, you know, give, give Georgia their due too, man. That's a team. My goodness, that's a team. Uh, so, I mean, really, I'm, I am good to uh, come off of the weekend games for now. Well, actually, I do have one thing I want to say because uh, you sent me a meme last week. And, like, when I first saw it, I hadn't read the story. So I didn't even pay attention to it. But it was a picture of Urban Meyer with the caption, got to respect the grind. <laughs> And I hadn't read the story or had this conversation yet, so I didn't pay attention to it, shrugged it off until I saw it today. And I was like, oh, oh, yeah, there you go. Cheeky. <laughs> was that tweet afterwards real? I, like, I was scrolling and seeing one where it was him saying, <laughs> he was like, screw it. And then, but I don't even know, you can't even tell if any of that stuff's real on Twitter anymore. Right, yeah. <laughs> but it, it, it was something like, I just looked over my contract, and you know what, screw it. I don't. I don't regret anything. <laughs> Whatever, you know? I like, regret nothing. Yeah. It was <laughs> right. like doubling down, and I was like, I don't know if that's real or not. I but say, it's funny. Surely that's not his real. But you're like, dude, you're married. <laughs> yeah, I did see where his wife. She did have his back ultimately on that, and you know, I guess they're going to deal with that in house yeah, privately. Yeah, yeah. But which is, same, I mean, that's how that should be res- handled. But at the same time, but at the same time, that's your bar, fool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm like, what yeah. are you doing? When you're married to a millionaire, you almost have to expect some of that. Well, and see, that's even that's even what I said last week and they're like you know what do you think happens like it depends on how much she likes the money yeah you know if if she's got her own then she might be like nah I'm done you know but uh, you know no prenups were in place or anything then maybe she maybe she rides out now who knows but uh, yeah no so I wanted to talk about that but you know Adam had actually told us that he doesn't really you don't really pay attention to uh, college sports as much due to work schedules and everything else. Yeah. But you started down a road that I really wanted to get on recording. So uh, go ahead and share with us. Yeah, like, of course, Mike, working nights and weekends, I like I'm usually playing catch up if I do try to if there's a game or, or anything like that in sports that I want to catch up on. And so like I almost just gave up on trying. But uh, yeah, it, it always like I love football. Like I like that was pretty much my whole identity going through high school and everything was 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 being a, a star football player. So when when I you know got out of high school, 
and I had some some football scholarships that, uh, but they were none of them were the big schools that I wanted to go to, which I kind of screwed up uh, that chance. I think looking back on it, by maybe making some prank calls to a coach that <laughs> I did not know was in charge of stuff that I should like. Uh, but <laughs> what'd you do? Like, call and be like, yeah, I want to, I want to walk on the name Seymour Butts. You know? No, uh, no, I was, uh, so after the, my junior year, that summer, you go to all these football combines and stuff like that. Right. And, uh, I've started getting, getting letters from, you know, the Razorbacks and army and all kinds of stuff like this. And, and, uh, I would get the letters and they're usually requesting videotape, like highlight tapes and game film. And I would take them to the coach that's in charge of the, the game film. Mm. Didn't realize that the coach in charge of the game film and sending those out and everything is the one that I've been prank, uh, prank calling during track season. Mm. And I, like, I would, uh, we would get bored on the way home from the track bus, on, mm. on the track bus, and they'd be like, hey, call this guy. And, and so, oh, no. and <laughs> my big deal was to like, Call, call him to, and he did like I was like he'll never find out who this was. Right. <laughs> looking, looking back on it, I was like he definitely found out who yeah, it was. He knew, he knew day one. Yeah, yeah. But we would uh, we'd prank call him. I'd act like I was the movie store, and I was like, hey, you have all this gay porn that you need to return, dude. And like your late fees are getting stacked oh. up. And I would uh, like I called like I called him and prank called him a couple times, and I had. We were just, I got used to doing that on the way back home from track meets just because long bus rides and stuff. <laughs> so it's but just then, a pastime. But yeah. point, let's ruin this it's dude's just, night. It's yeah. just kids messing around. But when, it, yeah. but when it came time to send out all these highlight films and game films and stuff that these colleges were requesting, <laughs> he was dragging his feet. And I don't even think they ever got them. But I, I was like, I would hear from that coach at that college and be like, hey, we haven't seen your game films yet. And I'm like, okay. Uh, like I'll go ask him and he goes, yeah, I'll get on it and then just walk <laughs> off. Like, hey, don't worry about so, it. I'll return it with the video. Yeah. So looking back on that, uh, I was like, I might've screwed that up a little bit, uh, as far as getting it. Cause those scholarships go quick at the big, at the D one level. Yeah, absolutely. And then, uh, I, I played in the all-star game in 2006 and after that, uh, Washington Baptist calls me and was like, Hey, we like, and I went to the recruiting day and they didn't pay any attention to me on the recruiting day. And I was like, this is pretty dumb. And I, they got, they got their, they got freaking stomped on their, on their <laughs> recruiting day. Right. Uh, Cause you go to a game and then we go to the field house and the weight room and everything. And I was like, well, day one, I'm the fastest guy and the strongest guy here. If I come here. Right. And they weren't even talking to me. So, but after the all-star game, I got a call from that coach and he's like, Hey, to be honest, like we didn't, talked to you very much at the at the recruiting day because we were planning on getting a, a juco linebacker and uh and he's like but we after the all-star game we were watching you he's like we think you're already better than that guy so we're going to give you a full ride here and i was like and i had just found out that i got an academic scholarship so my college was paid for and i was like i'm not gonna you know go beat my brains out for another four years for no reason right and uh which was a tough call because i loved playing football no, but yeah, was, no doubt. But I was, you know, racking up injuries, and I was, I mean, I played like a freaking wild man, so I had, like, between that and motocross, I think at the end of high school, I was already at, like, eight concussions. Oh, and yeah. I some mean, of them were bad. Uh, yeah, like, I mean, like, two or three of them real bad. I'm like, well, bro. Yeah, one of them. Well, they used to say, you just got your bell rung, remember? Yeah. Yeah. yeah wait, no, wait, mine wrong. were, like, I, there was a couple games where every time I come off the sideline, I was puking. Uh, I went when we played Fayetteville. I went blind in my left eye for uh, pr- like five minutes, 
And then uh, in that whole, like, at halftime, I didn't even go into the locker room. I just stayed outside and puked the whole game or puked the whole ha- halftime. And I think then, you had a stroke. I don't think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, that's a severe concussion. Yeah. There's a good reason he wasn't playing. And then uh, we played, uh, uh, oh, shoot, I forgot the name, their name. But uh, there was this, they had a huge quarterback who was actually their middle linebacker, too. And I think he went to LSU uh, to be a middle linebacker. But uh, I hit him. Uh, when he was dropping back to throw a pass and I got a pretty damn good concussion, ended up playing the whole game with the concussion and went home in an ambulance after the game. I was, I was, uh, I was sitting at my locker. I don't remember changing or anything, but I was in my gym shorts and, and a shirt just sitting in front of my locker. And I didn't realize everybody was leaving. Like all the other players were just like, and I was just sitting there and they were like, they went and got the trainer. I was like, hey, something's wrong with him. And yeah. I, and uh, they got me in the trainer's room, and I laid down, and I just got so relaxed that I started to, like, I closed my eyes, and then I just couldn't open my eyes again. And I could talk to them, but I got so relaxed, like I was trying to go to sleep. Yeah. And they couldn't keep me awake. Yeah. And, uh, and it felt like I was paralyzed, but I could still talk to them. I could hear them and talk to them, and that's about all I could do. And they took me in, in an ambulance... And uh, I was, they put me on, a, I was on a backboard waiting for a CAT scan in the hospital for like three or four hours. And w- when I was laying there, I was like, hey, mom, I didn't realize I couldn't move my arms or anything until my mom was like, uh, I was like, hey, unstrap my arms. I got to scratch my face because I was, had a neck brace on and strapped right, down. And, right. and she was like, your arms aren't tied down. And I was like, oh, <laughs> oh, no. Are you for real? Yeah. Look again. Make sure. <laughs> yeah. And, but uh, yeah, I like so I had to like miss a couple games, uh, or I missed one, the one game after that, uh, which it was late in the season. And it kind of sucked to have to miss that game because it actually screwed me up for breaking the most tackles record at Alma. Uh, okay. So like I, I ended up, uh, I missed one at the beginning of the season, and then one at the end. And I was on track to break that record, even even with missing that uh, first game, until I missed that second one. So it, it really screwed me up there because I, I think I ended up with like 112, and the record was like 135, which is Adam Daly who played for the Razorbacks. Yeah. yeah. And uh, which you know I kind of got compared to him a lot uh, back then, but I really wanted that record for that reason. Right. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that that got screwed up. But and. So going through all that stuff, like I, uh, when it came to like after football was over, well, I'd go to Razorback games and stuff like that, and be like, man, I should be on the field, man. I, yeah. I, you know, I was playing with all these guys, and then uh, you know, I'd see you know Darren McFadden made it to the NFL, and I was like, I, you know, we we played that guy. I played him my junior year in high school, and. In his defense, he was the only him and one other guy on his team. They were basically he was playing. They would uh, switch. He would be the quarterback, and the other dude would be at wide receiver or tailback, and they were just playing catch. And the rest of the team sucked. <laughs> Fair <laughs> enough. And, and they were playing. Both of them were playing both ways the whole time because uh, they were like the only two guys that were good on their team. But right. still, he was averaging like 200, 200 yards per game, and I think he only needed seventy something yards to break two thousand that year. And, you know, at Alma, we ended up holding him to 44 that game. And the it was raining, so, uh, he you know, they complained that the field was wet and they uh, 
said that we watered our field, but it had definitely just been raining that day. Right. <laughs> so, like, oh, well, I think God watered it, actually. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, it was, but I, like, you know, going head-to-head with Darren McFadden and stuff like that, and which that dude... I don't know how old he was in high school, but that dude seemed like a, you're playing against a grown man. Yeah, that, like that, he wasn't no boy, huh? Yeah. I'm 17, and I'm guessing he was probably 18 or 19. Rolling around campus in that custom car. Yeah. yeah. Thanks, Jim. Yeah. <laughs> Grizzle, but, if you didn't know. But, yeah, you see, like, I would see guys like that, and then uh, we played uh, a lot of guys from Win. Uh, a couple of those went to the NFL and, yeah. and stuff like that, and you'd see them playing, and I'd be like, damn, I should be out there. But then I was like, I'd... I might have only made it, you know, one or two years without, and then got injured and never played again anyway, so right, it wouldn't have yeah. mattered. Well, yeah, with the amount of concussions oh, that yeah, you had right. endured, dude. Yeah, th- I mean, that was the that was the big one. Was uh, there was a, <laughs> there was a period of time like after those concussions where it was like I would be talking to somebody and then I would just start like slurred or stuttering and I'd be like, I've never stuttered before. That was weird. <laughs> like, I would just. I'm going to have to hit the reset button on this conversation. And the so thing is, like, you're through. going through school the whole time. Like, I got a concussion on Friday. I got a test this next Friday. Yeah, <laughs> like, right. <laughs> you're like, you know, I can't help but notice during football season, your grades really struggle. You're like, well, it's funny you should mention that. My brain doesn't work properly yeah, during football season. migraines seasons. all it's the like, time. You guys are lucky I'm wearing pants. <laughs> yeah, for <laughs> real. Oh, man. But, yeah, it's uh, – and then, I tr- and then uh, so, like, I'm trying not to relive those – high school glory days but you know because like all that stuff comes back when you start watching football sure sure especially whenever you are you know uh, at least a d1 prospect you know at one time you know right i I could see how that could be watching hard knocks and seeing the guy that's trying to make make it make the roster on the spring training yeah yeah i feel like he's definitely that that guy he's Yeah. yeah yeah he's the one he you know wants to follow the dream and he'd be doing out there killing himself and sometimes they they make the roster and become all pros you never know yeah i say but if you look at it as a sense of, uh, from a medical standpoint, it's say you made a good decision doing oh, that. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> it, it, it always it ends at some point, and that's what, like, you, when you're young and you're playing football, you never realize, like, you, even if you make it to the NFL, you know, One three, day. four, you know, three, four years, you know, into the NFL, you know, it's probably over. So yeah, it's yeah, you, you got to end it sometime. So and I mean, yeah, it would have been awesome to to make it that far and everything, but I. I'd probably be in a wheelchair. Yeah, at what cost? <laughs> yeah, it, that's that's it. Yeah. I mean, same th- same reason Andrew Luck left uh, Indianapolis, left left the NFL. What was it? Uh, freaking Kitna left like uh, to play handball. <laughs> He's like a professional uh, handball player. <laughs> I don't know that Kitna left. I think I think we might have kicked him out. I thought I might be thinking of the wrong quarterback. No, no, I no. I think, no, no, was, I think yeah, you're, I think you're thinking. Yeah. Of, you're thinking the backup of for Dallas. Yeah. No, a couple years ago, I guess I mean, he was. No. Star, he was a starter no. for the Bengals for yeah. a little while. Yeah, yeah, he was like I think he left when he was a starter, wasn't he? Yeah. Well, yeah. he did, and then he came back and was a backup oh, for a okay. while. He was a backup realize, for Dallas, and he actually he got back. to start a few games. Yeah. And okay. I think he won one, but he had had so many concussions, you could see it. The poor guy. <laughs> so handball is probably a good place for him, you know. Yeah, just, quarterbacks getting concussions is a whole different thing. Yeah, that's that's getting. Uh, you know, you see in like the Indiana Jones movies or something, like the big, like swinging log that comes down and just like obliterates someone. That's what life is like as a quarterback, I think. You yeah. Know? Especially you if you get a big monstrous of, guy like this coming yeah, at you. I would say, especially playing middle linebacker. Yeah. I mean, if he breaks through the line, it's over with. <laughs> you know, just just go ahead and be like, hold on, wait, I'll take a knee. I'll take a knee. Just don't do it. <laughs> I go down. You just touch, <laughs> touch. It counts. It counts. I'm down. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, I don't know. I guess that that. 
It makes pretty good sense on why you're not, you know, enthralled in it. I mean, see, yeah. I never played football in high school. I was a basketball player. Yeah. And so, I mean, I love basketball. I still watch basketball, and I do exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. Not necessarily reliving. I, I also coach Little League, so I scream at my TV as if yeah. they're my fifth and sixth grade boys. You know, and I'm like, no one can hear me besides my kids. And they're like, Dad, shut up, you know. But Yeah, I, I love basketball, too. But I – so – I broke my leg uh, in the spring game, uh, the like the spring scrimmage my sophomore year uh, in football, and it took me out of basketball for two years because I, I shattered my right leg and and couldn't. Uh, oh my gosh! And it, it like it damaged the nerves in my foot, so I couldn't really cut and stuff for basketball yeah, right. anymore. And I tried to come back my senior year a little bit, but I, I like the coach. Uh, was completely different from the junior high coach and it made a the, like all the plays were different and everything just it was like just, i'm not going to learn this whole damn system in, right, in, in just, one season yeah yeah for one like in one season for one season doesn't make any sense yeah and it was really just to stay in shape for football right because at that time i was still planning on going to play college football so i was like i'm gonna play basketball during the off season in between yeah. and because track off season's boring as shit. so right because i mean i was I was real good at discus too, so like, I, right. I, that's what I did in track Hercules. and long jump, <laughs> which was a weird combination. You see a middle linebacker doing long jump. At, right, <laughs> yeah. yeah well, I was definitely the biggest guy over at the long jump. <laughs> yeah. Hey, man, it's all about jumping, man. Buns and thighs. Yeah. yeah. You can be it's a big te- dude. Technique. Still, yeah. Tech, uh, if Colby was here, he'd be making some SpongeBob reference. Technique. Anyway, whatever. <laughs> uh, all right, so uh, we'll, we'll kind of move off football, but I, I want to keep the spotlight on you. Like, so... Uh, you have two podcasts, yep. so why don't you tell us, you know, uh, what they are and what they're about and all that good stuff. Okay, so uh, the Cage Against the Machine podcast uh, is kind of the the big one right now. Uh, I started that one first, so we're like 20 episodes in. Right. And it's all we do is uh, watch Nicolas Cage movies and talk talk crap about them. Uh, the yes, okay, Mystery it's Science funny. Theater it's funny. 3000. Yeah. And, it's, yeah. and it came about, uh, so uh, there's a, a New York comedian uh, named Zach Amico. He has a show called uh, Zach Amico's Midnight Spook Show. And they just watch really crappy B-horror movies. That's kind of what we're doing this month on this show. Yeah. and <laughs> Maybe not B-movies. They were probably A-list at one time. He does no. some good ones uh, every once in a while just to... It, just to keep keep yourself sane because they're so terrible. Some of the ones that he watched are just terrible. Oh yeah. But when you're watching with two or three other comedians or whatever, it, yeah, it makes anything it fun. can be fun. Yeah. Yeah. But so like I was watching his, and then what happened was one night, uh, me and my wife started watching a movie, and it was like this uh, home invasion uh, movie. Like we sat down watching, it. it was just like a somebody breaks into a house and they're holding these people hostage and. I fall asleep like 10 minutes into this movie. Right, yeah. And then, like you do. Yeah. <laughs> and then I, I kind of, like something happens, I wake up, and I did not realize it, but my wife had switched movies to a Nick Cage movie. Oh. And it was a Nick, in. it was also a home invasion movie, oh. but just by chance. <laughs> yeah. And you're so like, it oh. kind of made sense, and I was like, oh, I, and I woke up, and I was like, oh, I didn't know Nick Cage was in this. And she just didn't say anything. Of course, yeah. So <laughs> she's just like, I am. You mean either, so right? I just woke up and now I'm watching this movie and I'm like, what? This doesn't make any sense. I watched 10 minutes of a, of a different movie and then dropped into the middle of this movie and I'm like, what the hell is going on? And then I, and then I was just like, man, Nick Cage. Should, at the end, when I saw the title, 
I was like, this is a completely different movie. And she was like, yeah, I switched movies. And I was like, I didn't know you switched movies. Yeah, you, I mean, you could have told me that whenever I was like, this seems crazy. It doesn't and then I I mean, like, kind of make sense, but why is it like this? Yeah, and I was like, well, you could just put Nick Cage in any movie, and I guess it's going to be the same. It's not going to matter. Yeah, it really would. What was uh, what was the one you told me to watch? Uh, Wicker Man. Uh, yeah, Wicker Man. Wicker, I've seen Wicker Man. We haven't Man. done that one yet on the podcast. Have you done, what is it, the bees? Oh, the, what, what is the beekeeper, the one where he has the bee? I don't know if I've heard. So that's the other thing is Nick Cage has almost, it's like 190-something movies. Yeah, there's right. so many movies. So that's when I was like, I'm never like going to run out of podcasts to do. like, like <laughs> right. Because he's still going. I mean, and he there was an article the other day. He was like, no, I'm never going to retire. Yeah. So yeah. And he does like 10 a year. So I was like, I'm. Well, and a lot of them are like. Low budget, yeah, that's, uh, I mean, anymore those, at least. Those are the the good ones. Like he has some good movies that are going to be high budget coming out. I guess uh, the unbearable weight of, of massive talent uh, has got some big names in it, hmm. uh, which I think they were. I think they finished filming. It's probably going to come out here in the next few years. But uh, yeah, those are the the low budget ones are the ones that we like the oh, best. Yeah, those I mean. are the best because you can just sit and rip on them the entire we, movie. We watched one that is called Kill Chain that he's not in for forty five minutes. But he's like the star of the movie. And I'm like, it <laughs> because he produced it. He's yeah. like, I'm in it. I'm the star. It's me. That's one. So there's a movie called Sunny that I didn't know it is his directorial debut. Nick Cage directed this movie. Okay. And uh, uh, James Franco's in it. So I, I oh, haven't well, watched that and, one yet. You know, hey, we got to watch it. Franco. We did watch some terrible movies. There's uh, Deadfall and Arsenal are written by his brother. And he's in, and he and he has a fake prosthetic nose that is just ridiculous in these movies, and it doesn't make sense because one's in like I think happens in '93, and the other one's like in 2000 something, but he dies in the first one, and they just bring his character back for the next one and don't explain it at all. Yeah, well, hey, like you do. Yeah, <laughs> and but yeah, they're, those are written by his brother, who's uh, kind of a director, I guess. Well, uh, now I see the content. I get it. Now I really get it. Because for a while I was like, okay, I, I like Nick Cage too. National it's not Treasure. about <laughs> and, then, and then the more I watched it, it was like, he's made some really odd choices yeah. in the movies. Yeah. It's picks. satirical. It's it's yeah. not about liking Nick Cage. It's We're sub- celebrating how ridiculous his his movie career is. And it it's, is. Th- that's And it is. Dude, there's so, like, the spectrum. It's so wide for him. Like he's been Memphis Reigns in uh, Gone in sixty yeah. seconds, raising Arizona, raising Arizona. Uh, what what was the um, the Indianapolis USS Indianapolis? He was in yeah. He was in that. Um, that was the one with the the boat gets sunk yeah, and yeah. the sharks yeah. are swarming. Yeah, yeah. That was a strange. He's done like there's so many drama romances like The Weatherman. He's just done it all. Yeah. That's what's crazy. There's so much content, dude. Well, he's he's really big into horror movies right now, which you know. Yeah, I got, watched Mom and Dad. Have you seen that one yet? Uh, no, I haven't seen that one yet. Uh, we Surprisingly watched good. We watched Mandy, Willie's Wonderland. He does not talk the whole movie. He never says a word. It's, that would be a great role for him. Yeah, and never. And it, that that movie was frustrating, but <laughs> he does not talk the whole movie, and uh, it it was wild. But uh, yeah, it's it's. I didn't realize when I was like, we're going to, we're going to do this. And I thought there were going to be, there's a theme going on the podcast where the movies just freaking end and don't explain everything. Like it doesn't wrap up at the end of the movie at all. 
you're just like it, they leave you with about 10 questions where you're like what did what was that movie about like <laughs> yeah. what happened to that guy where what? did this person come from can we just negate all the other questions besides the first one what was this movie about <laughs> yeah it, it, I mean that's yeah it's there's a lot of them that end like that and then you end up after you watch it you, you end up walking around for like the next five hours just like I don't even know what I just watched uh, yeah why did I and I don't even so every once in a while like I started like having to like put a good one in one of his mainstream movies in every like two or three episodes yeah Yeah. we we did face off and con air and i watched the con air episode i I was yeah because i mean even though it's cringy and it is very who doesn't like con air i mean oh yeah it's done well i mean it's done well big budget one and somebody died on that set so that makes it uh it had dave chappelle background it did have dave chappelle and danny trejo like there's a bunch of and john John malkovich yeah there's a ton of Ving Rams was in that. Uh, Steve Buscemi. There's tons of them. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, yeah, but it's. I didn't realize how like what a mental toll it is to watch that many Nick Cage movies, <laughs> and then it's like, like a mental toll. He, he already it has trauma from football. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it screws with like your, your your mental ability to just go out throughout the day after you watch that, and you're just like, so you, like you have to watch a good one here and there. To just kind of bring yourself out of that. Right. Yeah, watch one that you're like, oh, thank God, this is a Bruckheimer movie, so we'll be fine. Well, see, I thought that was, uh, we watched uh, a Martin Scorsese one, uh, Bringing Out the Dead, and we are like, oh, it's Scorsese, this is going to be a good movie, and uh, it made no sense. It was, and it was like, it was a, for its time, it looked outdated for its time. It looked like Ghost, like uh, the Patrick Swayze Ghost. Yeah. It looked like the special effects and stuff looked like that, and it happened much later than Ghost. Right. And that was confusing. Uh, Veen, like, he's an EMT who's going crazy in the movie. And, like, Veen Reigns is in that one, too. And Veen Reigns has hair, which is off putting. Yeah, I don't, and, I don't think I like that at all. And he does, like, a revive. There's a, like, these EMTs are doing weird stuff to revive people. Like, he's, like, praying for a dude and doing, like, this big revival session to save a guy's life. And, it, like, it's. It makes zero sense, and it just starts doing that time swap stuff where yeah, it's like two days ago. Like I'll say this though, kind of coming off of Nick Cage for a second, and talk about Scorsese. He's had a couple strikeouts with me. I know that everyone just loved The Irishman. Mm-hmm. Um, everyone, right. I mean, it won awards. It was yeah. Good. I despised that movie. I was like, this is the most boring movie I've ever watched, and like it was hard to follow. Uh, mainly because of the fact that there was nothing to keep you interested, in yeah. my opinion. You know, of course, I, I'm. I, I was going to say, I fell asleep anyway. like three times, and I had. Oh, I think yeah. it took me like three different chunks to watch the movie. Yeah, I say, well, I've, I started watching it. I watched about an hour and a half of it. I fell asleep for four and a half hours, and I caught the end of the movie because that's how long yeah. it is. It's well, ridiculous. If you go in expecting The Departed, of course you're going to be disappointed. Yeah. Yeah, but isn't that? I mean, aren't, isn't that what we're supposed to expect from Martin Scorsese? Yeah, I'm like, yeah, I suppose that's a fair point. Yeah, I mean, or at least a mobster movie of some right, substance. Yeah, right. And this one just, I don't know, it fell flat. Anyway, we'll, we'll get off of Scorsese. But uh, so, um, how how often do you do caging as a machine? So we try to do that every week, uh, at least every week. I think I'm actually doing more than that sometimes. But right, I was trying to build up a. Uh, kind of a back catalog before I started promoting the podcast a lot. Right. So I got like in the the first few episodes, I'm still playing around with editing and trying to figure out how to do it. I was, 
And the, it took me like probably four or five episodes to figure out how to get around the copyright strikes because we are watching a movie. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. If you play the sound, YouTube will pull it real quick. Yeah, that's, uh, that's what uh, we've talked about. Yeah, too. so uh, like I'd play it on its own channel and then delete it later or turn it down like really low to where you can't hear it over us, you know, at all. Or you can kind of hear it in the background. So, yeah, getting around the copyright strikes was a big deal. Uh, but, yeah, it's now that I'm 20 in, I'm trying to promote it. Right. And, and yeah. actually get it out there that way. If somebody does like it, there's more they can go back and watch. All right. So do you have guests that come on that and watch the movie with you? Like, or? Yeah. Yeah. It's usually another comedian. Uh, okay. But uh, I've, I'm, I'm planning on having some fighters and stuff like that come on here pretty soon. Okay. Uh, and just because, you know, I, I kind of got into MMA after, after football for a little bit. Also not good for the brain damage, but you know. <laughs> well, you know. It's a little more controlled though. But yeah, yeah. It, at, at least, you know, in training. Yeah, yeah, in, in training and everything, which yeah, it's it's really not as I mean, football so which a lot of people don't realize is in football it's not the helmet to helmet contact. It's when you hit your head on the ground when you're and it's usually on defense you're safe, but like if you grab a running back and slam them into the ground, it's their helmet hitting the ground is, is doesn't get the ground doesn't give like somebody else's helmet. So right, like, yeah, th- uh, those are the, some of the worst concussions is right. smacking the ground really hard. But, uh, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it's pretty cool. Like we just hang out, watch a movie with friends and other comedians and stuff like that. Uh, and when some comedians from out of town come in, I'm going to try to get them on the podcast and yeah. stuff like that. Um, and just kind of at random, but it, it's fun just to hang out and do those. And then the other podcast, the playing your fools podcast, uh, I try to like, I, I nerd out on economics and serious stuff all the time. Like I don't really get into politics too deep other than how they apply to economics too. Right. But, uh, I try to talk about some serious subjects and I, like me and one of my friends will just have, a have a conversation about something serious and try to talk in the whole point of that podcast is to like, I don't want to argue about stuff. I want to come at it. Like we're trying to solve a problem. Right. Yeah. I, well, that's something similar to what we've, we've said on this show is, you know, <clears throat> his views may differ from mine who may differ from yours and everything else. Right. It, we don't have to argue. We can just talk about it. That's the whole point is too, is like the, you got to lay out all the variables because that's the thing is like, Everybody thinks they're right, no matter what you believe, yep. or, and you think you're doing the right thing, and, and like no matter what you believe in, uh, on and what side of any argument you're on, you you know you think you're right because the way you're raised or whatever, like it's almost out of your control, right? Uh, of why you think that, you know. So we kind of try to lay out all the variables and try to problem solve, and then try to you know, because no matter how far apart two things seem. Uh, in politics, it, they're usually closer to the middle than you would think on almost everything. Right, right. Yeah. I, I would I would agree with that. Yeah, and in in the, the kind of the idea of like the you know the uh, playing your fools thing is like the more you know about this stuff about any subjects, like the less you actually know about it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I could, it's like kind of like the uh, sleight of hand thing. You know, look close. Because the closer you look, the easier it will be to fool you. Yeah, like when you're trying to solve a problem like that can't actually be solved, like there's no direct answer for it, like if like the border crisis or you know immigration or anything like that, 
Like, there's not like, hey, this is the correct answer. Right. There's this way to do it, this way to do it, and we probably need to compromise and 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 see the other sides. You know, and like come to the uh, middle agreement to this. Right. Yeah. It's no, like, I, I get that. You know, and it's just saying, okay, well, I, out of your way of doing things that is different than mine, I actually like this, this, and this. Yeah. And I think that would actually go well with what I'm talking about here. If I don't do this, but we, I do this and you do this, I think this could work out the way it's supposed to. It's just, like you said, compromising and, well, and, and seeing both sides of the fence. Yeah. And you're trying to game plan it out. Like I try to game plan out all these into the, how they're going to play out in the future. Uh, but yeah, it, and you don't get to have those serious conversations, especially like our, you know, hour and a half long conversations like that hardly ever. Right. Uh, so that's one good thing about that podcast. And it, it's not always like serious. Like we'll do, I mean, we get into conspiracy theories all the time. Yeah. Uh, I've done one on, I've done an episode on, uh, uh, police and specifically like the future of police. Mm-hmm. Um, and then space police. Yeah. yeah. All right. It's more technology, <laughs> robot police. It's more RoboCop. Oh, okay. Well, that, <laughs> that's pretty cool too, though. Yeah. <laughs> right. The possibilities. It's how how uh, advanced AI has gotten. Yeah, that's well it's creepy. And in other countries, it's taken off right. as far as policing goes. Uh, but yeah, we've we've done. You know, I've done a, a couple episodes on dealerships, which I had to do those solo because I didn't want to make somebody else set through those. Right. Because I've worked in motorcycle dealerships and, and car dealerships for over a decade. So I kind of wanted to do like a inside baseball deal on those just to let people know, like if you're buying a car, uh, you know, stuff to look out for. If you're taking a motorcycle or car into service, stuff to look out for yeah. and how it actually works. Because most people don't realize how those the pay plans inside that business work because it's right. so different than how, you know, an hourly or salary employee get paid. Right. Like it, yeah. It's it's so different in the dealership world. Like uh, most of those jobs, you're making zero dollars when you're sitting there doing nothing. Yeah. So, so it's it's. Uh, I wanted to do an inside one on that, and uh, there's a couple of them where we just talk about comedy and stuff like that. Yeah. So. That's cool. So as so let's talk about that for a minute. How, how long have you been doing stand up now? I know that uh, it's a pretty recent thing because I remember you putting it on Facebook. Yeah. That you know you were this is something you're passionate about and you're going to give it a shot. Yeah. So um, I'm over two years now. Uh, I started like July uh, 2019. Mm-hmm. So uh, and you know that first year or whatever you're just kind of doing open mics and right. getting the hang of it, but. I was kind of scared to death to do stand up because it's I'm really kind of a quiet guy especially around people that I don't know. Right. And uh I've never really been like the class clown type. I would be like that to the people I know, like my best friends and stuff. Right. But not to people I didn't know. Like I didn't want attention from those people. Right. But yeah. uh I so I was writing jokes for almost like 2 years. Uh, before I started to actually get on stage and do it. So it, it actually helped me have not really, uh, it had me, I had a good list of premises to work off of. Yeah. And then I had like three jokes to start with. Right. And, uh, but yeah, over the last two years of, uh, you know, doing shows here and there and, and, uh, found a, a good comedy, actual good comedy club, uh, the Grove in Lowell, Arkansas to start going up there and, yeah. And I'm doing the open mic, trying to get in as a host uh, for these actual legit comedians that are coming in from out of town and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah, that, that's awesome. Yeah. 
So I, I, I got to ask, um, your, your first time uh, doing stand-up, did you bomb? Did you get laughed? So the, what happened, I... Uh, that almost sounded like a bomb right there. Okay, what had happened? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I had this weird plan. Like I was uh, trying, I was never, I did, I, my plan was to do a year of jiu-jitsu and then when I finished that year, start comedy. I got, blew out my knee uh, like the first month into jiu-jitsu. I tore it my ACL. It might be for you to give up yeah, physical yeah. sports, man. I'm just yeah. telling you. So I blew out my knee and I was like, well, that kind of speeds up this uh, comedy thing, so I might as well start doing that. So I've started seeing uh, some, uh, it's like Two Swans Entertainment, uh, Tyler Swanson and Jeremy Beck started doing an open mic at Harry's downtown. Okay. And I was like, I'm, I had been working on these jokes and I was like, I have, you know, I've got two or three jokes. I'm just going to go down there and watch. And I, so I went down there and watched and it was super awkward. I was just kind of hanging out in the shadows. <laughs> yeah, like, just like you're, you're that guy that no one wants to talk to. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, yeah, I was just kind of hanging out in the shadows, uh, you know, watching it, watching and everything. And then I had, uh, been, uh, adding a lot of friends, uh, comedian, local comedian friends on Facebook. And, uh, one of them recognized me. It was like, Hey, are you going up? And I was just like, I don't know, man. I've like, I've never done it before. And he was like, just go up. And so I wrote my name on the chalkboard, uh, went up and I like the first joke I told is a joke that I still do today. And it's a lot of people's favorite joke. So what, I, what, are you going to share? No, I can't. Ah. I, I'm not going to leave. the. I'm not, <laughs> what, what if we promise to take it out of the podcast? We share it with us. <laughs> Uh, yeah, we, we can do that. Okay, okay fair cool. enough, fair enough. All right. So anyway, um, go ahead with, so with your story. I did that joke and, uh, the, I did that one and then I have, I think I did two other ones. And in my mind, I was like, that was probably about six minutes. Cause like the open mic there, I think was, you're supposed to do five to six minutes or something. Mm-hmm. And now at the level I am now, I was like, I know those jokes were probably two or three minutes. Like, so, right. yeah. But when I, I was up there and I got that first laugh, I mean, they, uh, I mean, it was, they, they did it at the small stage at the end of the bar at, at Harry's downtown. And there's probably 20 to 25 people just crammed in that small bar section. Yeah. And when everybody like died laughing off that first joke, I was I was like, oh, I'm hooked right then. I mean, yeah. it was like doing drugs. Yeah, it's the best and, high in the world. Yeah, right? and it it was a kind of a weird experience because I was like, I almost got tunnel vision because I was like so nervous and it, like it, it felt like I had turn, tunnel vision, almost like an out of body experience for a second. I was just like, okay, and like you're chasing that moment every like every time you get on stage is you want it to be like that, and it never, it's never like that again. But uh, yeah, so, you're, so, you're so it hooked. is like drugs. Okay. Yeah, it yeah. is. I mean, it is like drugs, but it's it, it has highs and lows. I mean, like you you can because right. there's it's a really a roller coaster. Because sometimes sometimes you you got to go up there and you can't like if you've had a bad day, you still got to go to stand up. Right. You know, yeah. Like something bad happened that day, you still got to go do it. Like if you're yeah. on a show or you're planning on doing it anyway, so sometimes like you're killing and you're just not feeling it at all. And like, like everybody's laughing, but you're like, uh, like personally you feel like, Oh, I sucked. Yeah. But then you go back and watch the video and you're like, Oh, they were laughing. I was just like in my head, not, not 
feeling it at all. That, that's then, literally how I am every time, every week when we leave here. I'm like, that show sucked. Yeah. And then I listen to it on Friday. I'm like, that was a good show. And I'm like, what yeah. am I upset it's about? It's a real emotional roller coaster. Uh, like, sometimes, sometimes you get up there, and the ones that bother me the most are like when it's flat. It's like, because like, I'm doing the same jokes, and I'll go kill in a bar one week, and then I'll go somewhere else. And then everybody will just be like, mm, you know, kind of like they'll go, huh, you know, yeah, yeah. Like, give you the courtesy. Like it was funny, but not that funny. <laughs> and I had one of those, which uh, the, the most recent one that was like that for me is I won. I, it was like a four way tie at the Majestic for a, a comedy competition. Oh, okay. I, like I made money doing doing a uh, open mic uh, nice. comedy competition. Yeah. Nice. But the crowd did not like me very much. And but the judge, the judge oh, okay. loved me. I had okay. the judge. Yeah. Hilarious. yeah, I was yeah. say it don't matter what the Which room the judge, that night. The judge was a professional comedian, so I want her to like me more than anybody else. So, right? Yeah. Yeah. But so there was like a, uh, uh, it was Heine B from from uh, Tulsa or Oklahoma City, but she came in from out of town to judge it, and I had her laughing crowd did not like me very much so i was like was, <laughs> which it, it happens sometimes especially like fort smith is not a very good town for comedy no, I, a lot of uh people that are not very there's a lot of people who are uh stick i, I, I mean if butt. you wanted to say like a stick in yeah the, well uh, we're i mean we're trying to these people were just out to drink and like it was like <laughs> girls not out for a couple oh, oh, no, no. it's kind of that like they could care less if there was comedy there, I guess. I don't know. It was right. kind of weird. But, yeah, you walk in. There's different situations like that in stand-up, too. Like, like I feel like I'm more of a bar comic because I do, like, dirty jokes. And, like, it, it resonates well with those people. Uh, sometimes, the like, when there's a crowd just full of, like, 20-year-olds and stuff, and I'm talking about my wife and being married and stuff like that, they, they're just kind of, they're not as into it. Whatever, but, boomer. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> and then... Where's Colby? Yeah. Uh, yeah. But like, who knows? The middle aged and old people, I usually get them pretty good. So, and I have, and I have jokes I have, like that I can switch up to, to get those other people if I need to, but it, you got to think about that ahead of time. Yeah. I would imagine though, that, uh, when you're on stage, you know, you have to, I mean, you, I know you have to read your room, you know, obviously. You got to get in the zone. But, uh, I mean, I would assume that it's not unheard of for you to, I mean, once again, I'm speaking like I know I'm not a stand up, anything yeah. like that. But like, what, do you ever get on stage and you're like, okay, whatever my plan was, I am abandoning it right now? I don't, that doesn't usually happen very much because right now I'm under uh, the time limit, a strict time limit is where, where I am as a comedian. Right. They're like, you, you know, you do five minutes, you do 20 minutes, and then the, we're going to have somebody come in after you, you know? So, that that with that strict time limit, I usually just have to go with it. Right. Now, sometimes if it's flat or bombing, I'll tell that joke that I just told you at the end of it. Yeah, and just to get a laugh at it before I get off stage. Yeah. Have you had to disarm a heckler yet? That's that was my next question. Um, yeah. No, I don't like. So I have this one joke that um, it's not. I I have a joke about it's about gay people and. It's not, uh, it doesn't piss them off, and but I get heckled like they want to talk to me during, like, it, they're, not, they're not mad. Yeah, they're just, they just wanting they like, want to have, Yeah, they want to have a conversation about it, and, I, like, it happened to me one time at the bakery district, and I knew, so there was three different sets of gay people that I'm friends with all of them, and they're sitting in three different spots. One's back here at the bar, 
actually working the bar. And then there's uh, two gay guys over here on the side, and there's two gay women over here, like right in front. And I'm trying to get through this joke, and they keep stopping me. <laughs> like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Wait a minute. <laughs> you should be like, we are friends. Stop it. Yeah, I was like, let just let let me explain. If you get, let me get through the joke, you'll understand. And it's. Yeah, it's not one that, uh, like, yeah, they never get, I've never had anybody get mad at me over it like that, uh, but they do want to talk about it in, during the set. So I'm like, <laughs> it, it, that turns out to be a problem. Uh, we, at Old Town Grain and Feed, uh, it wasn't really a heckle, but there's no stage there. It's a bar. It's a really tight, small bar, and some people from out of town at one of the hotels just came across or something, and they were wanting to do karaoke. And it's two guys, two guys and their uh, two, and their two girlfriends, and the. Do they look the, like they say "dude, man, and bro" a lot? So I'm it was a weird deal. Picture no, first. it was a it was a weird couple. So it was a get old, off the stage. I want to sing Freebird. <laughs> yeah, it was an old man, an old man, and a girl that was probably uh, his daughter's age with him, and then a a really handsome man and his girlfriend. And and the old man stood two feet in front of me because there's no stage. Awesome. And he like I was telling a joke, and he's talking to me about my joke like during my set the whole time. And his girlfriend is relaying my joke to the other girl at the bar who's not paying attention. Oh my god. <laughs> so she's tapping her on the shoulder and like explaining the joke to her uh. as I'm doing the joke. Yeah, you're just kind of like, all right, all right, time out. First off, you sit down. Honey, pay attention if you want to hear the yeah. joke. I'm tired of listening. Yeah. yeah, let me tell the jokes here. And that's usually how it goes at bars. I did a bar in Tulsa, and it was like that, too. Like these, I tell a joke. I hit the punchline. These two girls laugh, and then they quit paying attention and start talking about that joke for the next, for the rest of my set. And I'm just like, damn it. Still all, going the yeah. all the tables around were like, oh, that was a good joke. Yeah, we'll pay still, attention to them. Yeah. And you're like, I'm still, no, I'm still here. Yeah. I'm just, it's a... Uh, but the the comedy club, which is kind of the most intimidating place because it's, you know, there's a comedy club manager or owner there that can, you know, help you with your future if you do good. Uh, like, so there's a lot more pressure there to do good, but the audience is paying to see stand-up a lot of times or, or uh, you know, there to see comedy, right. and they're the easiest crowd to work with. Oh, okay. So, like, they're, they're, yeah. they're paying attention... You got the right demographic in the room there. Yeah, yeah, they want to laugh. Yeah, if you, sometimes at the bar, there's people that maybe came to watch, but there's regulars that are just there to drink, and you're interrupting their damn drinking. Right, right? but I will say this, like, because you'd mentioned earlier, Fort Smith's not a good town for comedy. What is Fort Smith a good town for? Just to smell like <laughs> dog food and broken well, dreams? I'm or? hoping, I mean, we're hoping with River Valley Comics is kind of like a group of comedians that we have. And Sam Price and, and Chase Miska are putting on shows. They're, they're the, the kind of the co-presidents and they're uh, basically producing comedy shows all over the place here, around here. And we're trying to build a comedy community. Yeah. And so we have a group of, uh, you know, eight to ten comedians or whatever that that uh, are out of the Fort Smith area or surrounding area and we're, we're 
putting on shows we're just trying to build a fan base yeah and just getting people that consistently come out and uh it's is, is kind of happening like a, uh, a social media page or whatever that we yeah, can go to to yeah, get the information on yeah, river shows yeah river valley comics on on facebook okay. uh and i think we have an inst i don't know if they have an instagram or not but uh all the comedians from river valley comics uh like we all have you know comedy pages and stuff like that on instagram facebook and all that but uh yeah, it's it, we're trying to actually build something here. We're doing yeah. comedy shows in Fort Smith. Like usually every month, we'll have something either Poto, Fort Smith. You know, uh, this week I have one uh, Prairie Street Live in Fayetteville on October fourteenth. I think it starts at seven, uh, six thirty or seven. Uh, I'm doing that one this Thursday, and uh, like we're always working on putting on new stuff, but. Yeah, Fort Smith, getting people to come out is uh, kind of a weird thing because almost even when there's events like fights and stuff like that in Fort Smith or concerts or anything, it's usually like the surrounding areas. Like that, it's, yeah, it's people really... coming from Alma, Lavaca, Poto, Roland Mulder. Like it, yeah, they're right. coming in from everywhere to Fort Smith to see this stuff. Yeah. It's like the people actually in Fort Smith don't ever go to anything. It's that's what it seems like. Besides <laughs> north side, south side football games. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, and that's just to see little Timmy run the ball. Yeah, to the, to the bars to, to heckle him. Yeah, and he'd be like, yeah. all right, so let me see if I got this joke right. You're like, no, it's, Please don't do this. So usually the it's when people stumble in from the hotels. <laughs> Those are the people <laughs> yeah. that you got to worry about because they, they're like, we don't know any of these people. We can, we can, we can screw act, up all kinds of We can act however we yeah, want to here. We can act a fool. Yeah. Well, that's that's pretty cool, man. So River Valley Comics on Facebook and yeah. possibly Instagram, but we'll just say Facebook right yeah. now, and that's where we can get updates on upcoming shows and stuff. I know, yeah. uh, as far as I'm concerned, I definitely want to become one of the River Valley uh, comedian uh, or, or River Valley Comics fans. Yeah, because I love stand up co uh, comedy. Absolutely, if we can have more of it in the River Valley and, quality. Yeah, say, yeah. and I, I'd love to have some of these other guys come on the show and stuff. Of course, yeah. uh, you, you know, you'd always be welcome to come back and everything too. It'd be it'd be awesome. And that's the goal. Is like when we're building these, so the, when we're building these shows locally, we try to have like a, a out of town headliner. Uh, mm -hmm. Come in and and do and close the show out for us. That way, people are getting their money's worth. Right. Because we're you know we're all around you know one to two three years in something like that. We're right. you know and uh, so we try to get a veteran uh, comedian to come in and close out the show a lot of times. And and uh, we're trying to get it bigger and bigger. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's awesome. I, I really do. I love I, it. I think it's a great idea. I would love to see... Major I, support. Yeah, I, I would love to see a comedy club come into Fort Smith and, and be specific to comedy. I mean, that would yeah, be really I mean, cool. that would be awesome. But Lowell, you know, Lowell's hour, hour and ten minutes away. Uh, right. Up northwest Arkansas. It's not, not a... We drive there every Wednesday almost. There's there's usually a river, at least half the River Valley comic crews there. That's awesome. Every Wednesday for the open mic. Okay, so open mic night... On, at the Grove is on Wednesday nights. Yeah, Wednesday nights. At 7. And then, uh, do they do like weekend shows where they actually bring someone yeah, in? Yeah, so they, and they like have a full set or. Yeah, so they try at that club. They have a lot of cleaner uh, comedians. Right. Uh, but there are you know Jim Brewer was there. Uh, a lot of the SNL guys uh, have have been coming in the, that do stand up have been coming in doing stand up there. Okay, uh, very cool. I mean, the, uh, Brian Regan was there. Uh, you know, it's uh, Carlos Mencia was there a couple weeks ago. But oh, really? Yeah, Carlos Mencia. <laughs> I don't know if we can ever forgive him for that yeah. ABC television series. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, poor. Carlos. I thought you were gonna go down the joke stealing. Yeah. Nah, let him have those. Yeah. I mean, come on. 
They weren't that funny anyway. No, yeah. they really weren't. I would say, if you're going to steal jokes, I mean, make them funny ones, I guess. Yeah, well. And that's what I do. Yeah. <laughs> that was his whole deal. Is they were, he would just take another, his opener's joke or another comedian's joke and just add Mexican. Which is funny because he's not Mexican. He's Honduran. Yeah. His name's, his name's Ned. Ned? <laughs> yeah, it's not even Carlos. It's like oh, Ned well, Hosnell or something not. like that, yeah. It's Ned Schneebly. He's like half German, half Honduran. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> he said, what mm-hmm. did he get from his Hispanic heritage? We need to, skin color. Yeah, we need, we need to cancel him again for cultural appropriation. <laughs> there it is, right there, man. All right. So, I, speaking of, you brought this up, and this is actually something that was on my mind earlier today. It's kind of shifting topics. We can we don't have to make it serious because oh, okay. it, there's nothing in this world that's meant to be that serious. So you said uh, cancel, like you know the cancel culture thing, which everyone knows I'm against cancel culture. But whatever, I'm not getting on my soapbox. You, there's plenty of episodes for that. You can just go through right. yeah. go, go through the back catalog. You'll hear me talking about Morgan Walton's a saint, but not, maybe not that bad. But <laughs> did you hear Theo's joke? Huh? Did you hear Theo Vaughn's joke about Morgan? No, I didn't. It was he opened. He I guess he opened for him at one of his shows, and uh, Theo Vaughn came out. and He's like, "Look, y'all are all allowed to record and everything." Unless you're Morgan's neighbor. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there you go. Hey, very true. I said that. I'm just saying. Anyway, paraphrase you. But, yeah. You know, we were talking about cultural appropriation, though, right? Yeah. So when have we dissolved as a society to all being five, six, and seven-year-olds? Because you can remember oh, being five, six, and seven. I'm sure Cooper would do something, and you'd yeah. be like, Dad, Cooper's copying me. Yeah. You know, or right. something to that effect. We've all heard kids say it, right? And at some point in your life, someone probably told you, you know, as you grow up, and like some dude in high school is trying to be you, and you're like, dude, I'm getting ready to throttle you. Get away from me, right? And then <laughs> someone probably told you, well, uh, imitation is the sincerest form of flattery. Yeah. You know, if someone is acting like you, trying to imitate you, it's because they want to be you right yeah so all those lessons we learned we're, we're throwing them out the window right we're just going to get mad and cancel people for for you know wearing your head and braids or, or whatever else if if you're not black or uh i don't know other things like i, I don't know too many hillbillies that get upset when they see a black man with a with a chew and listen yeah. to the florida georgia line you know what i mean i, I mean i'd probably be upset because he's listening to florida georgia line but Either way, you know, make it something cooler. Waylon Jennings, you'd be like, right on, man, I like you. I don't know. It's just we, something I'm talking. We about. we got on we got into this on the last Playing Your Fools podcast with my buddy EJ Eusepio. He's uh, he's Filipino, right? And uh, and I'm Spanish, uh, you know, like quarter Spanish or whatever. So like I'm so mixed, it's it's crazy. But he, uh, <laughs> but we were talking about that. It was like, where do you draw the lines for cultural appropriation? Because I was like, you're Filipino. That's Hispanic culture. Yeah. Right. So like, are you celebrating your Hispanic culture of being Filipino or do you even go back further to that where before the, before the Spanish came? So like, like, right. It's where you draw the lines. And then like in, especially like in Florida and stuff like that, they had a lot of, uh, you know, African Americans that were part of native American tribes. Yeah. Are you going to cancel a black dude for wearing a headdress or something like that? Or, you know, doing anything Native American? You don't know that dude's background. It's like trying to cancel Elizabeth Warren for claiming her... <laughs> now, that one I agree with. <laughs> oh, it, it, <laughs> no, I'm just oh, Okay, well, no, I, I'm one 1,064th Cherokee. I'm like, no kidding. Yeah. Well, with a, you know... I don't even know if that's detectable. That's... Nah, I think that's ridiculous. Yeah. I think. And I'm sitting here with a Native, so, I, you know... 
Hey, look at me. I am diversified. <laughs> part dead. Hey, part dead. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Anyway, uh, for those of you who don't listen regularly, there's an episode called Diversified. Anyway, uh, I like calling out my you know yeah. listeners. He likes I've attacking our audience. Yeah, directly. yeah, it's it's a lot of fun, and yeah. nobody ever but hits me. Nobody's up. called him out on I'm it. Like, yet. I'm trying to pick a fight, and nobody's <laughs> like, "No, nah, we don't know about this guy. He's out yeah, of his but mind." There, but we'll like your photo. There is a good book to read that kind of explains a lot of that stuff. Uh, so I'm like I said, I'm big into. Uh, uh, Economist and stuff like that. Thomas Sowell's one of my favorite economists, and he just happens to be a black guy. And he has a book called uh, Black Redneck, White Liberal, and it, it really explains a lot of that stuff. It, it, it goes into good detail uh, about how there's... It, it's basically that the Southern black culture, it comes from the rural people in England settling the South. Yeah. Like, all the people in the cities settled, you know, in the East Coast. Right. And then the, the more rural people in in England and stuff like that settled the south right and that you don't it's basically southern pride culture is basically the same as black you know black southern culture it's, right it's all that's where the black redneck thing comes from yeah and and I think you know uh, I hate giving too much credit to Morgan Freeman but that's who narrates my life in my head <laughs> so uh, and he does yours too you just realized that I see it. Yeah, yeah. anyway uh, but not like they no mind said, Sam Jackson there's too many MFers <laughs> oh, yeah, I got you alright but no I saw an interview with him and it was I don't know how does this make you feel or such and such make you feel as a black man and he was like, why do you have to say it like that? Yeah. He was like, well, he was like, well, how about just a man? You know, and, and I think that, you know, like even what you'd said in this book, how it explains Southern black culture being pretty much Southern culture. You're yeah. like, yeah, that's the way we see it in the South. I, yeah. Like black, white, gay, it, it doesn't matter. Like we're like woo pig and uh, roll tide and all this good stuff. And, when, you know, getting crazy on Saturdays. That's right. I mean, you know, SEC, you know, but anyway. Uh, you know, that, that's what I've noticed is in, in most cases, all this stuff you see that's gone on over the course of the past 18 months that has been awful, uh, no matter which side of the fence you're on, you can't look at it and be like, no, this was a good thing. I mean, you know, this is bad stuff, right? Yeah. It didn't happen a lot in the South. Um, I, I mean, there might have been a few I, isolated incidents. I, I remember uh, several, several years ago after the Michael Brown thing, there was a shooting in Dallas. Uh, where police officers were killed and all right, this yeah. kind of stuff. Um, you know, and don't get me wrong, I'm not saying nothing bad ever happens in the South. It's not some utopia, but at the same time, you didn't see all this big explosion because, like, that's not my black brother, that's my brother. Yeah. You know, and, and that's just kind of the way it, it seems to be here because and I travel all across the Southeast for, for work and everything else. And so I get a chance to take in just about everything. And almost anybody that grew up playing sports is going to be like, like that i mean it's you're you're around everybody else when you're playing sports and you spend time with them like you know especially if you're doing anything where it involves traveling and stuff like that you're staying in hotels and and everything and you're just you get so close with those people like it's almost impossible to be to be racist in any type of way and it's that's like that's the big thing is like people have to stop self-segregating and yeah yeah if you don't People just don't interact with other people is the problem. Yeah, at the end of the day, we're all just people. We all yeah. just have our own weird backgrounds or backstory, but 
And I, I'm pretty sure anyone that's ever met me knows that I don't segregate at all. In fact, if I can talk to every single person, I'm probably going to. Yeah. Just because I'll be like, hey, will you listen to me rattle my head for a while? Okay, I'll talk to you then. You know? Yeah, well, it's like that Daryl Davis dude has that doc. I think he's got a Netflix documentary and he's been on Joe Rogan and stuff like that. But he's uh, like a black uh, piano player and he goes around like converting uh, KKK members and stuff like that. Like just really by just having conversations with them. Let's just be their friend, whether they like, yeah, whether they want whether to, they want to be friends with you or not. Like, and the good, like him being a like professional skilled piano player actually gave him an in with some of them because with uh, is that's how his story got started anyways. But uh, yes, yeah, so sometimes like just, having some common ground or something like that to get it in or just like, Hey, I'm going to be friends with this person whether he wants to or not. Right, like, yeah. But I mean, I think that's exactly what you're saying though. It's finding common ground and it, and it, you know, being willing to like, we all talk about wanting to have a conversation, not an argument. Right. I mean, that's something I said yeah. earlier in the show and that's pretty much what we all look for. If there's a problem at some point though, it's not enough to say, oh, I just want to have a discussion. Well, because a lot of people, and I'm not saying anyone sitting here, but I am saying there's a lot of people that want to have a discussion, but really all they want to do is they want to talk at you and then let you rattle, but they're not listening. They're just waiting for their next turn to talk, right? Yeah. To speak, I guess I should say, sorry. But, um, you know, if you're willing to actually sit there and listen to somebody and at least try to have a little empathy. Even if, even if at the end of it, you're like, well, I just cannot put myself in that situation because I, that just doesn't make sense to me. At least you tried. Yeah. And let me tell you something, man, people pick up on that, you know, whether they're mad at you or not, they're going to pick up on the fact that, you know, at least he came up and listened to me and, and shared his view with me. And, you know, that, that's I think that's where you end up finding common ground at some point. The the big problem with almost every every argument that you ever hear is like somebody's coming at it from a rational point of view and some of somebody's coming at it from an emotional point of view. Yeah, and that's that's where you you have the problem. Right, it's like someone's want to be you know hyper rational and someone's want to be hyper emotional, right. and that's where you 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 see the disconnect. Yeah, and, and it's funny you say that because I've actually heard this. Well, you have to take emotion out of it. You have to take the emotion out of it. Right. I'm like, that's not asking a human to behave like a human. Like, in every decision we make, our emotions come into it. You can't let your emotions overwhelm it to where it's like, no, I'm mad, so therefore this is bad and everything else. But, yeah. you know, you, you have to, you really have to cling to rationale and to logic, but you can't take your emotions out of it mm-hmm. because. There's too much emotion. Every one of us feels so much emotion over something that, you know, if we feel, especially if we feel like we've been done wrong. Right. Or the the direct opposite, if we feel like we're in the right. Yeah. You're going to be emotional about that. Be like, you know, hey, no, you're wrong. <laughs> no, I'm not. Yeah. And that, that's the whole point of my podcast. Like it, it ends up, like if you do the research on almost any subject, it starts coming back to the gray into the middle. Like that's. Right. It, if almost, I mean, you pick a subject, you can like the mainstream narratives are going to be uh, like polar opposites and the truth is always in the middle. It's always in the gray. Like it's the talking points that you get from, if you're just trying to win an argument, yeah, it's going to be really polar. Right. If you start breaking down the variables and actually game planning it out 
and looking at like you're trying to like how do we solve this problem because that's a big thing with the government now is like we're going to do it this way for four years and then when the other guy wins we're going to do it that way for four years and nobody compromises anymore exactly and the whole point of the whole government being like that is is to compromise right it just doesn't happen we just like try to rule each other for four years exactly and it doesn't matter right left it uh, i tell you who gets left out it's the center yeah you know which which i'm telling you most of us most people i know are in the middle, yeah. you know. The, you know, I, I especially living where we live. Uh, you know, most people are on the right side of the aisle, right? Yeah. I mean, most people are conservatives. Um, you know, you do have a lot of uh, liberal thinkers and everything else here too. But I, I've said this before, and I'll say it again. I have no problem with a liberal because a liberal just sees things differently than I do. Yeah. Uh, what I have a problem with, like a rabid leftist. Okay, where you know communism's great and all this kind of stuff. Now I say that only to bring it back to this on the polar opposite. Uh, the dudes that are on like the way right wing, they make leftists look so good because they're saying all kinds of wild stuff all the time, you yeah. know, and there they are. Yeah. They're, <laughs> yeah. They're, they're here. But, but when you approach, but when you approach those people, like I know, especially you'll see this on Facebook and stuff like that. They're just like, that person's an idiot. They don't know what they're talking about. Like you can't approach people like that. They got to that, that, situation by how they were raised what they were what they've been what education they had and like what what they grew up around everything like that so you can't fault that person for thinking that way you just have to have a conversation with them and try to bring them back to the middle and they almost i mean i mean unless they just have a super low iq or something like that right they're not then they can almost understand where the other side's coming from you just got to point it out to them yeah, and and you know most of them it's because they've never interacted with another person, you know, another right? Person Someone with a differing like, yeah. view, right? Yeah, and I mean it's almost the same way with the left now. I mean they they grow up in bubbles. I mean everybody right. and they're just not used to other cultures and stuff like that. But it's it's almost like the you know a Sam Harris thing. It was like you can't like it's not your fault you are the way you are like it's you know kind of right. chaos theory like you you almost don't make your own decisions sometimes yeah you, you just like I you mean, don't pick your parents you don't pick where you were born uh so like all that like you can't fault people and call them stupid and stuff like that just because of the way they think right and, well and uh, not only that break it down even simpler it's counterproductive yeah. you, you don't actually get anywhere all you do is piss the other person off and then you never find common ground oh yeah So, uh, as promised, uh, we watched uh, Jeepers Creepers this week. So, for our, I guess you'd call it a horror movie, but I mean, it, it's uh, supposed that was to the be. idea. Yeah, it, we, we're two for two on strikeouts right now. Uh, but anyway, so we watched Jeepers Creepers. So, if uh, if you don't know what the movie is, I'll give you a quick rundown on it. First thing you need to know: Justin Long is in it. Uh, it Why? It, it, that's a good question. That is a very good question. Uh, same reason he was in a lot of movies in that time period. Accepted. It, yeah, accepted <laughs> was uh, waiting. Uh, yeah. with, with Ryan yeah. Reynolds, he was in that. Uh, I don't know. I, that, those are really the only three I can think of. But uh, oh no, 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 Dodgeball. He was in Dodgeball. Oh yeah, Dodgeball, I, classic. I, I did like his character in Dodgeball because it, he was acting the way I think that Justin Long acts in real life. Yeah. You know, like just a complete train wreck. He tells a pretty good story on uh, Dak Shepard's podcast, The Armchair Expert, about getting kidnapped in New Orleans or something. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. I'll have to check that out. I don't that know. That explains a lot. Yeah. <laughs> right. 
So anyway, uh, Justin Long's in this movie, and that is the worst part, I think, maybe. I don't know. Anyway, so it starts out, Justin Long and his uh, sister, I guess they're in college or something, and they're going to take a, I don't know, cross-state, cross-country road trip. I don't know. I didn't pay attention that well close. But anyway, they're going across whatever to get home for a holiday weekend or something like that. And uh, so they, uh, I don't know, are driving down the road. I think they're like trying to make uh, messages out of license plates, whatever, and this big, ugly truck passes them, and it's beating you, uh, which will reveal the big mystery behind that. Anyway, so uh, let's fast forward a little bit. They end up getting stalked by a scarecrow. <laughs> That's a thing. Uh, yeah. I yeah. don't know. That, that's Scarecrow really, with wings. Yeah, with wings. I, I don't know. So I, I, I'm just let's let's talk about it because I don't even know if I can get through a, like a rundown of this movie. Yeah. <laughs> There's a drainage hole for some reason that people keep jumping in. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. That's, so the director on that is uh, Victor Salva, and I don't know if you know that, but he is a convicted pedophile. <laughs> Yikes! So, yeah. Ooh. So I may say there's a lot of things you can get convicted of, and I'm like, that's what's up. Okay. That is not one of them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I don't know if I'm a little bit older than y'all, but I don't know if y'all know that movie uh, Powder. Do you remember uh, that? Yeah, 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 yeah. Dude, like, gets struck by lightning or whatever. He's like bald and extremely white or whatever. Yeah, has, right. super, has superpowers for some reason. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> but I watched like I watched that movie a lot when I was a kid. Uh, I think it came out in like '95, and uh, so I was probably like eight years old. But I remember watching that movie. But uh, apparently uh, the kid, it, it, so it was like a 12-year-old boy at the time uh, that uh, Victor Salva uh, raped. And uh, that kid was in his 20s when that movie came out. And he, uh, he protested that movie uh, publicly. So I guess that's why you don't see powder around anymore. Because it used to be on all the TV shows. And I mean, it used to be, you'd see powder everywhere. Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, but yeah, I think that's... Uh, might be why we don't see anymore because Victor Salva's uh, not a nice dude. No, he's the, in fact, he's, he's the worst form of he's, person in he's my a, opinion. Absolutely, he's a real disgusting. rascal. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's a real rapscallion. I'm like, I don't think that covers it. He's a rapist, is what he is. Yeah, let's call it what it is. Uh, so, well, that bums me out. <laughs> yeah, the movie is definitely not worth rewatching. Yeah, especially well, knowing that. I would say, but but now that you know this in this light. You know, because we've ripped on this movie and the second one a, a lot, you know, not to say on the show, but in private, because yes, ladies and gentlemen, Brandon and I hang out outside of the show once. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, you know, we, we talked about it, it's like it comes off, uh, I, and I hate saying it because it makes me sound like a terrible person, but I'm going to go ahead and say it anyway. Like I even had made the mention, I was like, I don't know, this movie comes off very rapey. Yeah. And, you know, I'm just abducting random people and throw them down in my yeah, little young dungeon. people. Yeah. yeah. Well, in the second movie, it's actual high school kids that yeah. he's abducting. The this wing scarecrow, the the creeper. That's what they call him, right? Sure. Not not like from Scooby Doo, but uh, I don't know. That one was probably scarier on Scooby Doo. Scooby Doo, yeah. <laughs> but uh, I, I don't know. I, either way, um, so okay. The last movie we watched is Freddy vs. Jason, which was also a terrible movie. Um, but we 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 rated it with uh, kills, uh, story, and uh, scariness. So, Brandon, tell me what's up. Scale one to ten, one being lowest, like not scary, not good, not, you know, whatever. I'm trying to take it back to the very first time that I saw it, and right. there's a certain creep factor to it because you don't get the reveal of what the creeper looks like for a very long time. Right. 
and you trying to figure out, you know, what the license plate's about yeah. and, the, and what the hole in the ground is about and all of these things. So it did have a little bit of a creepy, scary yeah, yeah, factor yeah. to it. But I think as far as like as like that goes, I think it still has a pretty creepy, scary factor yeah, yeah, to it. Absolutely. It's just uh it's not the most gory movie, so it doesn't have a whole lot of like people dying. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean the main the main part of the movie has like what four maybe five people throughout the entire thing, and one of them's just an extra that gets that's off usually, immediately. That's usually a low budget thing. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. The least actors you have to pay, the least locations you have to go to, especially an A lister like Justin Long. I mean, right, yeah. yeah. How else you gonna afford anybody else? Yeah. Right. And we paid him three orders of chicken McNuggets. It was crazy. Yeah. He just took it. He didn't even like haggle. <laughs> yeah. That's that's probably a low budget thing, and barely showing the. It, like, if you don't have great special effects, uh, you, or have the money to show them all the time, you got to really conserve those when you do show the monster. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> so anyway, they find out later after they discover that this is a monster and everything. It's not beating you; it's be eating you. Whoa! Because <laughs> yeah, he eats people. Yeah, yeah. Which we would call cannibalism, but he's not a people, so no. In that case, I guess he's just yeah. carnivorous. Fair game. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so anyway, so you're going to go ahead and rate it pretty high on scariness. Yeah, yeah, I will. I'll, I'll give it a, a definitely a scary factor, maybe six. Okay. All right. Respectable. All right. What about story? They turned it into a sequel, though. Give it. They I, did. The, the, without the sequel, though, the whole point of The Creeper really doesn't make much sense. Yeah. So yes, a as a standalone story, no, not, not really. But if you combine the two elements together and it fleshes out the whole Creeper backstory. Then it's still like a solid three. Yeah, it's still. <laughs> okay. a, yeah, I got you. All right. And, you know, like you already said, like there wasn't really a lot of kills in the movie. I mean, there were definitely in the second one, there was a lot more because they were like, hey, let's spend our money on bloody, gory effects yeah. instead of, I don't know, anything makes sense. Like, what, what are we going to do? I don't know. Maybe a bus breaks down with kids on it in a cornfield for some reason. And then we'll spend all our money making them die. Which, I don't know. I mean, maybe money well spent. I don't know. Because they were both pretty bad. But the second one might have been better. We Justin were- Long wasn't in it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, okay, so so you're, you, we're gonna go ahead and say kills probably low, yeah. We always yeah. we always talk about gore and horror movies and stuff like that. But uh, watching these Nick Cage movies, I've noticed like there's some good gore in action movies that doesn't get oh, talked yeah. about enough. Underrated gore, yeah, yeah. underrated gore. So I watched uh, Pathfinder again uh, not too long ago, and there's some good kills in that movie. And then uh, there was we were watching a Nick Cage movie on the podcast, and it was a stupid ass movie. But there was one scene where he like dives under a car and shoots a dude in both ankles, mm-hmm. and the way they explode made that dude's ankles explode. And they were like, so <laughs> like, <freaking "Dang!"> <laughs> it's like this, this like sometimes it wins the movie over. You're like, oh yeah, this is a good movie now. <laughs> yeah, you're like this movie's terrible. There was one, oh, would you see? Yeah, okay, I'm on board. I'd watch it again just to see this. We watched uh, Bangkok Dangerous, and the whole movie sucks. It's like a remake of a, a movie from Thailand, and it just it it's so super slow. Doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But uh, Nick Cage is an assassin, and at the end of the movie, like he's like right next to the dude that he's supposed to assassinate, and puts the gun to his own head and pulls the trigger and kills both of them with one shot. <laughs> 
And you're like, touche. That's a badass ending. Yeah, yeah, spoiler alert. It's been out for like 10 years. I'm not going to watch it. Yeah, it's a badass movie. (laughs) Well, it's a movie, badass ending. I got you. Okay, fair enough. I was like, that that one won me over. Uh, Okay, we're talking about underrated gore. What was like the first movie that you can remember seeing like a really gory scene in? Oh, my, probably the same as my action movie because I was uh, like uh, Steven Seagal. I forget which one. Like, I, like those are the ones that I actually remember like burning into my mind was when, when I was a kid because my my dad would let me watch those Steven Seagal movies way too young. <laughs> right. And um, it's well, not hard to kill. Uh, it's the one where he's uh, the with the uh, Jamaican gang. And they're making sacrifices and stuff like that. I definitely remember, like, like they're sacrificing chickens and stuff in that movie. Uh, I don't remember the movie. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, I can't think of the name of it either, but it was definitely that movie. It's, it's Under Siege. And then, Everything is yeah. Under Siege. So. And then the, the one, another one was, uh, I don't know if it's Courage Under Fire or whatever. I think it might be that one where they're torturing a dude. And I think I think he's a firefighter in that one or whatever. But they're torturing a dude, and he's, like, taking... Uh, like garden shears or bolt cutters or something and chopping the dude's fingers off while he's tied to a chair. And I remember that sticking to me when I was a kid. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's enough to scar anyone. What about yeah. you, Brandon? Uh, Robocop. Robocop? Robocop has a lot. I think it's real high up on the kill list. Yeah, it, it is. It's That one's, uh, yeah, it's pretty good stuff there. Yeah, and looking back on it, uh, Kirkwood Smith playing that Villain, and then he would later play Red Foreman on that '70s show. Kind of, <laughs> right. kind of weird, yeah. <laughs> dumbass. Yeah. I, they kind of the bed on that remake. I wish they would have done a little bit better with the RoboCop remake. I don't think I watched the RoboCop remake. I know I watched uh, the Judge Dredd remake. It's, that was crazy gory. Yeah, that was, but that was a pretty solid movie. Yeah, I, like they, that was the first remake I'd ever seen. Now, of course, we're basing this on a Stallone movie. Yeah, but uh, you know they, they weren't known for being high quality, but <laughs> yeah. but everyone loved them. But anyway, so they redid Judge Dredd, and that was they they did a really good job on. Yeah, uh, that one was pretty good. Yeah, um, for me, man, honestly, the one I can remember the first time I remember seeing like just a really gory scene in. Um, they came out right. I actually got two because they came out right around the same time. Mel Gibson's The Patriot. Oh, yeah. uh, and then uh, Gladiator. The hatchet kill in Patriot is badass. Yeah, that is that's that's Definitely. pretty epic stuff. Yeah, I love Gladiator too. But yeah, I will. So uh, Braveheart. I'm I'm of the age of Braveheart before Patriot. You know, right. I, I've seen Braveheart before. I've seen pa- you know Patriots comes in quite a bit afterwards. But yeah, Braveheart's gruesome too. Yeah, yeah. He that. comes in with a horse and kills that dude while he's in his bed with a mace. Yeah. And it shows him slapping him across the face with it pretty good. Yeah. It's just <laughs> just something for the kids, grandma, everybody. Yeah. You know, it's just a solid movie. All right. Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for staying with us uh, throughout the whole episode and everything. I know it probably got difficult. It usually does. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, I want to thank our special guest, uh, Adam Harvin. You guys go look up River Valley Comics on Facebook. Uh, you'll be able to see all the stuff these guys are trying to do, getting uh, a bigger comedy scene in the uh, Arkansas River Valley. Uh, of course, if you don't live around here, then I don't know, just go on Facebook and show them some support. You know what I mean? I mean, anything would help. Um I mean, other than that, do you have anything like pressing coming up? You are you going to uh, be hosting? You got any time slots? Uh, uh, no, you, I mean you can catch me at the Grove open mics on Wednesdays. We've got uh, check the page for other open mics and stuff that I'm hitting up. But I do have a uh, actual show uh, at Prairie Street Live in Fayetteville on October 14th at seven. 
so come see me and some other comics do a, do a show there. Um, Adam is not funny on Instagram and Twitter, and then uh, Adam Harvin on Facebook. Sweet, sweet, man. Uh, okay, so um, I just want to go ahead and thank everybody for listening again. And, uh, you know, as always, find our socials. Find uh, wherever you download us and uh, download and click subscribe to get notifications. Uh, also, hey, man, go ahead and give a follow to uh, our, our guest uh, podcast, Cage Against the Machine, which is outstanding, uh, where they just pick apart Nicolas Cage movies. Uh, and I just I, I, I'm all about that. Uh, I was a big fan of Mystery Science Theater 3000. Yeah. So, you know, kind of gives that vibe. And, of course, uh, Playing Your Fools, which, uh, you know, is uh, uh, the way I'm understanding. is a little bit more serious topics and, and trying to do more discussion-based things. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I imagine with you there, there's going to be some laughs and stuff, too. Yeah. But, uh, uh, you know, so you guys go check that out. It'll be a good time for everybody. All right. So uh, from uh, our guest, Adam Harvin, from Mr. BT, and, of course, from me, Hoot Hobbs, we want to bid you good night. Mm-hmm.